Amen. Well, you guys can be seated, and I'm going to encourage you to grab your Bibles. Why don't you grab your Bibles and go with me to the book of Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25 tonight. Uh, Matthew chapter 25, kind of near um, the end of uh, this chapter, looking at this text, Matthew chapter 25. And we've been talking this year, uh, as we launched the new ministry year at the beginning of the fall, we were saying that we just really want to grow as a church. And that's the question. Are we growing as a church? And honestly, 2020 has kind of been a thing uh, where it's forced us in many ways to have to rethink what that really looks like. And, 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 and we obviously can't just be focused on growing numerically and, and just focus on uh, some of those metrics. But some of the things we've been asking is, Lord, help us to really grow spiritually. And so we started this series on spiritual fruit and, and looking at the things that God wants to produce in our hearts to grow us up and to make us more and more like Jesus Christ. And I am convinced that the thing that is going to bring the most glory to Christ is not uh, that we would finally get back into a facility and have physical gatherings every single week. I, like, want that, longing for that. Like, we're looking forward uh, to the fact when we can do this all the time. Uh, but, but I'm convinced that that's not the thing that's going to bring him the most glory or that we're going to have more Facebook views or that our attendance numbers are going to go up or that we'll have a hot new podcast or multiply a small group or two or get all of our ministry teams back up and running and everybody serving like as great as those things are going to be. And, and we, we're, we're longing for those things. We're praying that God's going to do that. All of those things is the, the purpose is so that we make disciples. Like boil it down. That's what we're trying to do around here. Because we are convinced that that is the thing that is going to bring the most glory and pleasure to the Lord as he's seeing us grow as his disciples becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. And we're seeing new fruit coming out in our actions and our reactions and our words. And, and, and we're seeing what is called the fruit of the Spirit. And we're, this whole series is coming out of Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. And I know you know it, all right? Uh, it, it is that the fruit of the Spirit is, come on, say it, love, joy, peace, patience. And tonight we're looking at kindness. Well done. We're looking at kindness. Are you known as a kind person? Um, there's a lot of us that are like, you know, kindness is cool, but I'd rather be known for something else. Like, I'd, I'd rather be known for somebody who's just like a lot of like great faith or, or, or somebody who's just really, really joyful or, or somebody who is really gifted and God is just using powerfully to advance his kingdom. Kindness is, kindness is it's like somebody who's uh, nice. And that's nice. But it seems a little like uh, almost underwhelming. Like, like when you think about kindness, you think about somebody who's like nice and, and smiley like a, like a walking emoji or, or like a little old grandma who bakes cookies and shares them with everybody. And you're like, that's sweet. Like, I mean, yeah, I, want, I mean, of course, I want to be, I want, I want to be a, a, a kind person. But there's probably a lot of other virtues that we would prioritize over kindness, right? There's some other things that we think like that. Nah, it, it doesn't seem like it's really at the heart of what's going on here. But I want you to know, and I hope you can appreciate this, none of us would even be here if it wasn't for the fact that our God is kind. 
Romans chapter 2, verse 4 actually says this, that it was his kindness that drew us to repentance. The only reason that we were willing to come out of the shadows and out of the hiding, the thing that drew us was not just his holiness. It wasn't just the fact that he was this God of love. It was, it was the fact that he's kind, that we knew it was okay, and that we were able to come and receive undeserved mercy and grace. And then Ephesians chapter 2, this great chapter that explains how the gospel works in our lives. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 says that he, was, he saved us, he raised us to new life so that he could show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. So kindness means that, that God is, is, is not just nice. It means that his heart is graciously warm toward us, and he's generously invested in our good, even though we don't deserve it. That, that means for us, then, we, we, we want to think if, if we are going to be like God, to be like God is to be kind. And so I want you to get out of your mind any, anything of like, that, that, that a kind person just means that you're kind of quiet and unassertive and, and maybe even like a little milk toast. Like, yeah, you're just kind of a nice person. Like, certainly, at least you're not mean, uh, but, but, you know, maybe not somebody that, that stands out and is all that impressive, okay? No, no, no. There's something amazing about the kindness of God that is coming out as we reflect that, right? That it means that we would be generous, and it would be a generous compassion in action, Someone who is kind has a tender heart and genuinely cares about the best interest of others and is willing to do good for them. And I'm convinced that's going to stand out in our culture. You, you think about that. In, in a world right now that's just being ripped apart uh, by all of our fear and anger and divided all over our political ideologies and pointed fingers, somebody, somebody who is kind, somebody who is warm-hearted and, and tender-hearted and generously compassionate and thinking about somebody else and preferring them and putting their needs before their own and trying to do good for somebody else, somebody who's doing that is going to radiantly reflect the glory of Jesus Christ. And some one may be drawn to repentance and salvation because they see it in you and they hear you talking about and demonstrating the kindness of God to undeserved sinners. That God might use that in such a powerful way. So I want to say this. As much as this is probably one of those, uh, this is probably one of the fruit of the spirit that you're looking at and you're like, I can do that one. And, you know, kindness doesn't seem that hard. It would be an awesome thing if we were known as people who are kind. In fact, what I want to show you today is this. If you really are a believer, you will be kind. If you're there in Matthew chapter 25, look at verse 31. I want you to see this. We're going to kind of raise the stakes a little bit on kindness and understand how important it is that this is actually true characteristic of who we are. Uh, starting in verse one, 31, uh, Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31, he says this, when the Son of Man comes in all his glory, and this is, this is Jesus telling us what's happening, what's going to come, all right? When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. And before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will place the sheep on his right 
and the goats on his left. So Jesus is saying, listen, guys, I'm coming back, and when I do, I am going to sit on the throne, and I'm going to judge all of the nations. And then he describes for us how this is going to work. He's actually going to separate the true believers from those who are not. And he kind of uses this imagery of the, the sheep and the goats. The sheep are those who really do believe in Christ, and the goats are those who do not. And he actually says, if you look at the very last verse of this chapter, verse 46, he says, some of those, those, those who aren't, they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. i got to tell you, this text then is a massive warning for us. Are you really a believer in Jesus Christ. Do you understand the weight of what's being said here? You, you have to know that the greatest danger that you face is not the, the political atmosphere that we're going through right now or any perceived threats or implications of it or even that the, the misfortunes of 2020 may carry over into the new year and all of this virus junk or, or, or even that you might experience some personal uh, suffering and trials that might come into your life. The greatest danger that you have is facing eternity separated from Jesus Christ as a condemned sinner. And Jesus is just taking a moment to let that kind of sit in for us. Am I one that will be a sheep ushered into his presence? So actually, there's, there's an invitation. I don't want you to miss this. Je Jesus is kind of telling us what's going to happen uh, before it happens as an encouragement, as a warning, but it's instructive for us here. So let's keep reading verse 34. Uh, look at verse 34. He says this, then the, then the king will say to those who are on his right, come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And, and when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and, and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Let me give you the big idea that I want you to sense right here is this. True believers those who really are followers of Christ, true believers receive Jesus and show it by their kindness. This is the evidence. This is how you know that I really am a believer in Christ. Remember, we're talking, when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, remember we said this in, in Galatians chapter 5. It's not the fruits of the Spirit are, it's the fruit of the Spirit is. It's, it's one fruit and has all this multifaceted uh, aspects of godliness or, or Christ-likeness. What, what that means is it's not a bowl of fruits that we can pick and choose from. As if it's okay if we're missing kindness in our life. As long as we've got one or two of the others, we're okay. No, no, what he's saying is if you really are a believer, you will be kind. 
God is going to produce that in your life. It's going to come out. Is that true of you? And this invitation he's saying to these these sheep, he says, verse 34, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, and inherit the kingdom that is prepared from you for the foundation of the world. Those are the people that have been chosen, Ephesians 1 tells us, by grace before the foundation of the world. These are the ones that God has said, you're mine. And he's chosen them to be part of his kingdom. So we have to really make sure that we're not uh, getting in our minds that, that the way that I know is by being kind. Like if I'm going to get into heaven and be with Christ forever, I need to do some acts of kindness because some of you are kind of thinking like, well, I'm a pretty good, I've done some pretty good things. In fact, uh, just recently, I don't know if you noticed, uh, but the Great American Restaurants now charge, well, the only reason you go to the Great American Restaurants is to get Aussie rolls, right? That's why we go. But apparently they're char- charging for the Aussie rolls, except $1 for every time you purchase some of those Aussie rolls goes to help feed the hungry in our community. And so I, you know, I'm kind of thinking that's kind of a great thing. I did my good deed. I, that was an act of kindness by me consuming some of those Aussie rolls for somebody else. We, we have to get out of our mind that we're thinking like, well, I've done some good. Th- I've, a lot of people can do some acts of kindness. But he's making it clear that these are the people that have been chosen. These are the people that are blessed. This is by grace. This has nothing to do with your performance. We are saved by grace. We're not saved by being kind. We're never, we're never saved because of something we have done. We are saved because of what Jesus Christ has done for us, that he died on the cross in our place. And we put our faith and trust in him. We believe. That's simply it. Do you believe in what Jesus Christ did so that you could be forgiven and have eternal life? Do you believe that? But if you do that, when God saves you, here's what he's saying. He begins to do a work in your heart, and he's going to transform you into the image of Christ. And so because you are saved, we are going to see kindness coming out in your actions. Because, why? Well, because you have a changed heart. He's changed your heart so that you want to be like him. The Spirit of God has begun a work in you, and we're going to see kindness coming out. So if this is true, I'm going to give you two results tonight. Here are the two results that we get. If you're taking notes, here's the first result that we see. If this is really true of you, then you will demonstrate your faith by your kindness, notice, to your brothers and sisters. Look at verse 40. Jesus, after all of this, he tells them, well, you did it as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers. When Jesus says, my brothers, he's referring to brothers or sisters. These are his disciples. These are his followers. This is all believers. And when he says the least of these, that indicates that those are the believers who really need somebody to show them some compassion. This text means that it really matters how you treat other believers in Christ, especially those who are in need. Why why does it matter? Why, Why is that such a big deal? Well, the reason is because your compassion and your kindness to them shows that you really do genuinely love Jesus. In fact, he even made this more clear back in chapter 10 of Matthew. Matthew chapter 10, verse 40 and 42 He said, he was talking to his disciples, he said, guys, listen, whoever receives you, you disciples, you you brothers and sisters, all right, 
if they receive you, they receive me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he's a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Here's how I think this works. The disciples of Jesus have been commissioned by the authority of Jesus, and they're going out to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus, and to receive them means to receive Jesus. You're receiving the message that they're coming out with. Like, like if you treat, how you treat the disciples, the believers of Jesus, is an indication of whether you're receiving or rejecting Jesus himself. And so if Christ has saved you, he's done a work in you, then this, you're included in this family. You are brothers and sisters in Christ. And as Matt preached for us a couple weeks ago, the, uh, the cross has broken down the dividing wall of hostility. There's nothing that stands in between us. There are no barriers. There's nothing that comes between us in our, in our unity in Jesus Christ. This is a family that we all belong to. And so what that means is as you look across, it might be somebody that you don't even know them that well, or, or they're not like you. They're not in the same stage of life, and you don't like the same things. But, but at the same time, you are unified in Jesus Christ. And so when you look at them, when you think about them, Kindness means that your heart will be warmed when you think about them. And there will be a willingness to be generous in your compassion towards them and to do good to them. I love this verse in Galatians. You might want to write this down. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. Paul says this, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let me be really clear here. I know we're saying like uh, we're going to know that you really are a believer in Jesus based on how you treat other brothers and sisters in Christ. But we're supposed to be kind. We're not just supposed to be kind just to believers. We are called to do good to everyone. Everybody in, we're, we're called to do good to our neighbors, just like the Good Samaritan demonstrated for us. Even willing to cross racial, ethnic, social, social barriers in order to do that. We've got to be kind to our neighbors. And we also have to do good and show kindness to our enemies. Just like Jesus was kind to us when we were his enemies. But he says this, do good to everyone but especially to those who are of the household of faith. What he's saying is, hey, we're family. We must be kind to one another. We must do good towards one another, have hearts that are warm and compassionate and showing it in action. Well, what does it look like? The uh, Verses 35 to 36, Jesus kind of gives us, this is what kindness looks like in action. He says, when I, was, when I was hungry, you gave me food. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was a stranger, you welcomed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was sick or in prison, you visited. Do we take care of each other in this church family like this? Do we love each other in tangible ways just like this? I was thinking about the fact that God cares and meets the needs of his people. But the way that he does that often is by producing kindness in our hearts so that we would be tenderhearted as he is towards them and moved by compassion and a generous act of love and kindness towards one another. 
God meets the needs of his people through us. So are you being an instrument of kindness that God can use in the family of God? He says, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I realize that, that hunger, quite honestly, may not seem like a, a, a real, immediate, or tangible need for most of us here in Fairfax, but there really are people around us, maybe even here tonight, who need help. I remember... Um, when we were in seminary, we lived in North Carolina uh, for five years. And um, for five years while we were down in North Carolina, I had multiple jobs, okay? Like I'm working at Starbucks, I'm working at a church, and I'm doing seminary, and I've got three kids. You ever seen the TV show Survivor? It was a lot like that. We were trying to get through this thing like, God, I don't know how you were going to make this. Actually, we were talking about that a couple of weeks ago. Like, how did we even survive in that time? Actually, the question that really came to our mind was this. What would we have done without the share shop? Y'all don't even know. All right. The share shop was this little house just on the outskirts of the campus where this lovely woman named Debbie Lab, Debbie Ladd worked with the uh, seminary to make sure that this house was stocked full of used household items and clothes and bread. Uh, they, they got bread that was donated from some of the local grocery stores or places like Panera Bread or all these things. When the bread was outdated and they weren't able to sell it, they would donate it and would come to the share shop. And at the share shop, everything there was made available to all the poor seminary students for free. And I'm telling you, God used Miss Debbie to keep the Hohenschel family from going hungry during that season of our life. And like, I was making like next to nothing, all right? I'm making, I'm making peanuts, but we didn't go hungry. In fact, I didn't even lose weight while I was doing this because I'm filling myself on outdated donuts and bagels. And some of you are like, man, that kind of sounds like a dream. I can assure you it was not. Uh, but I'm incredibly thankful for that woman's kindness. Just I, like we saw it so many times, every single week, multiple times a week. We see the amount of hours that she would pour into that thinking about somebody else and a generosity with her time and her energy to help. And I know many of you, I've been really impressed by this and so thankful for your willingness to, to make some food donations. I know uh, we just did this a couple months ago. We were giving some food away to um, Food for Others, that organization in our community, trying to meet uh, the need that really does exist in our county. Uh, last year, all the meals that we were able to package with generosity feeds that were able to stay right here, especially for the families in our school districts. And I'm so thankful for your willingness to do that. I love that when we see people in our community that might be hungry, especially when you know that there may be a brother or a sister in Christ who maybe they're out of work and they just need some help, that there's a willingness to say, man, we're just, we're going to do whatever we can. We want to show some kindness. Jesus said, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. He also says that when, when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. This one is a kind of a unique one for us because I think about how many people are constantly moving in and out of this community. How many people are moving in to Northern Virginia and, and they, they don't know anybody when they get here? And I'm so grateful for the urgency that many of you, when, when you see somebody who's walking in for the first time, somebody who's new, there's kind of this urgency to like make sure that we go and we welcome them. We want them to know that they are, they are loved, they're not alone. Jesus says, when I, was, when I was naked, you clothed me. Again, the share shop really helped 
uh, keep us clothed during that season. Maybe not fashionably so, but uh, we made it out alive. And, uh, and, and we needed when we didn't have a whole lot. And I think about friends that have uh, passed on their kids' clothes over the years to mine and uh, helped us out in ways and, and, and thankful for your dem- uh, donations that you guys have made to the, the homeless in our communities, the backpacks that we put together at times just to have things for people when they're in need. Uh, or, or the uh, diaper drives, baby items for crisis pregnancy centers. There's so many tangible ways to meet the needs and to just demonstrate some kindness. I love this. Jesus also says that, that when, you, when I was sick, you visited me. I saw this one in action and learned this one um, from my friend, Pastor Kurt. I've shared this with a few of you before. Um, Pastor Kurt, I, I served with him years ago. Uh, there were there were five of us on staff at this church, and Pastor Kurt was kind of the quiet one. Uh, he he was always kind of in the back. He hardly ever was ever on stage. You wouldn't know him, like, but but he knew everybody because he knew everybody personally, and he was just a really great listener. Well, ten years ago, uh, Pastor Kurt had a heart attack and died unexpectedly. He was only forty one years old. Kind of rocked all of us. Nobody saw that coming, and and like as a church, we were just trying to figure out how, to, how, how do we handle this and how do we kind of like move on. And then as a staff, obviously, like you, you lose somebody who's a friend and a ministry partner like that. It took us some weeks to try to figure out like what were all the things that, that he had been doing so that we can try to pick up the pieces and, and, and keep serving together. And it was at that time that I learned about Miss Mary Emma. And Miss Mary Emma uh, was this little old lady, uh, actually one of our elderly shut-ins, um, who lived in a nursing home in the community, hadn't been to church in years. In fact, I'd never even met her. I'd been at the church for four years. I was the youth pastor, never had opportunity to meet her. She'd been gone for that long. But apparently, Pastor Kurt was the one who would check up on her. And so um, I had the opportunity to kind of step in. And I remember going into um, her nursing room, home, uh, the, the, the room, there at the nursing home, and I, honestly, like, you can kind of imagine this. It was not a great nursing home, smelled pretty bad, and was really uh, depressing. But I remember sitting there with Miss Mary Emma and listening to her just gush about how Pastor Kurt had faithfully for years come and visited her. I didn't even know he was doing that. And apparently he would bring her favorite Wendy's chicken sandwich and smuggle some contraband in there and just sit and talk about heaven, talk about quarterbacks and football teams that she was watching, and just be with her. I know we're all really busy, and and we don't have a lot of time, and so we try to use our time uh, really wisely and and, and it may not, let's just be honest, it may not seem all that strategic to take our precious time and just sit and talk with somebody who's not really going anywhere. And there's not a whole lot of, you know, potential for them to impact and, and reach other people and not, maybe not a lot of multiplication possibilities there. They're just sick, maybe even dying. And if we're honest, we kind of think about our time, like helping the needy may not always seem like a great investment. 
But kindness sees through the eyes of Christ the value of these people. And instead of seeing it as a waste of time, it seizes the opportunity to generously just show love and compassion of Christ because that's how he's treated us. Part of our mission, let's just be honest, part of our mission, we want to glorify Christ. We do that by living in loving community. Do you see how important it is for us to put each other before ourselves? To consider one another more significant? It's not enough to just say, I love my church. I love my church family. Christ is asking us to, to show it. What's one thing you can do this week? To be kind. To put somebody else before yourself and tangibly meet some needs and just show some kindness and show that we really are part of this family. We really do belong to Christ. If it's really true of you, there's actually a second result in the text here. The second result is this. You will be joyfully surprised that your kindness was done to Christ. I love this part of the story. Verse 37, they're, 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 they're racking their brain here. They're like, Lord, when did we see you like this? They're trying to remember. They're like, do you guys remember? Like, was Jesus at the, at the soup kitchen? Like, do you remember him in the nursing home? Like, I'm not, like, I'm trying to remember this. Not, it's not coming. And he says, verse 40, truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What a gloriously shocking moment that must have been. Like, I did, like, didn't even see that one coming, but you're looking into the face of the one person that you love more than anyone, the one that you have longed to see for your entire life, and as you look in, them, in his face, you know that every single time you shared a meal while you were here, every single time you welcomed somebody into your home and made a friend, every time you donated some money, or, or uh, gave of some of your resources to help somebody who is in need or, or, or took the time to, to visit somebody who, uh, a brother or a sister who is in a really tough or vulnerable position. Every single time you did that, you did it for him. It's, a, it's, it's kind of a surprising turn in the story, but not really surprising when you consider the commands of Christ, right? Because he tells us this is the way that we demonstrate. If you really do love Jesus. You will demonstrate it by your love and the way you show kindness to your brothers and sisters. What does this look like for you this week? What's a way that you can be kind? It's a a special thing that we get to be a part of this church family. And we have to guard what Christ has accomplished for us and what he's done in us eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and a willingness to be used as an instrument of kindness to meet the needs of others. Maybe a a bigger, more important question then is, are you part of the family? Is this really true of you? Do you see the evidence in your life? Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the truth of your word. This is challenging, and, and well, we didn't think that kindness was really all that big of a deal. 
Maybe it shows up in a story here and there, something that seemed really cool, something that shows up on a, a video on Facebook that's kind of moving for a moment. But there's so many other things that we get focused on, so many other things that we want to be known for. But, Lord, I pray that we would really be known for kindness because that's who you are. Lord, you drew us to yourself because you're kind. You're faithful in demonstrating your loving kindness to us. And, Lord, if there's anybody here who's just kind of wrestling with that, maybe the evidence isn't there. Maybe they look at their life and they'd have to admit, like, this probably isn't what people would say about them. Lord, I pray that you would, if they are a true believer in you, that you would produce this. And they would live this out, flesh it out, and be faithful to look like Jesus in their acts of kindness. But maybe you'd bring some to conviction even right now to recognize that they've never put their faith and trust in Jesus to save them from their sin. I pray that you would save them now. As I'm praying, maybe some of you would even say you're, you're there. You've never done that. You're recognizing that you are a sinner. And I encourage you to put your faith in, in what Jesus has done for you. It's not acts of kindness that is going to guarantee that you have eternal life with him. It's the fact that he died on the cross in your place for your sin. Would you put your faith and trust in what he did for you? And Lord, if there is anyone here, who would, would you just move in their heart? I pray that you'd encourage them to come to you and to trust you for salvation. And, Lord, we're thankful for what you've done in our church family and allowing us to be a part of this. Would you help us to be brothers and sisters that look out for one another and put one another before ourselves? Make us people that are known for kindness because we look like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray.